What kind of support can you ask your ancestors for? And who exactly are ancestors? This week on Tune In with Marcy, I'm answering five listener questions. I explore the difference between lowercase a ancestors and capital A ancestors. What happens to ancestors who were horrible people in this lifetime after they pass? How ancestor work can support trauma healing in families with unwell ancestors? What to and not to ask for help from your ancestors? And how to find resources about your ancestors' rituals and practices when you have no idea where to start in the first place? I'm Marcy Moberg, and this is Tune In with Marcy, a podcast devoted to exploring what it means to reconnect to our intuitive nature. Hey there, welcome to Tune In with Marcy. I'm your host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, and I am so delighted that you are here today. This episode wraps up a series of episodes focused on ancestors. So if you're new to the podcast and you jive with this topic, make sure that you go back to the three episodes before this one. That would be episode 51, episode 50, and episode 49, where I talk about ancestors. And this episode, I am focused on answering listener questions. Um, I found five questions that I thought were particularly relevant and that most people would resonate with. They are either questions that I get consistently in my client work or resonate with questions that I get a lot uh, consistently in my client work and in my programs. And today I'm really doing this episode as if we are sitting down and you as a listener are asking me these questions and I'm just, you know, kind of like off the cuff giving you the response. So usually before my episodes, I take time to kind of thoroughly uh, think about an issue, prepare it, et cetera. And I really wanted this to be more of a candid uh, response. So here we go. The first question that I have is, who is an ancestor? This is a good question. When I'm talking about ancestors in the last couple series of episodes, I'm really talking about bloodline ancestors. So people who have come before us in our family lines who are no longer on this plane of existence, who have transitioned to the other side, have passed away. They may be individuals that we had personal relationships with, or they may be individuals we never knew. And they go way back in lineage time. Um, So we can have ancient ancestors, ancestors that are thousands and thousands and thousands of years back. And you can also say that our plants, I consider ancestors to us, trees, animals, uh, life that was here before humans showed up. But really what the last several episodes and this one in particular and the questions that I'm answering here are specifically about bloodline ancestors. And I really like the way that ancestral healing teacher Daniel Ford distinguishes capital A ancestor versus lowercase a ancestor. So a capital A ancestor is one that has is fully healed. They're fully healed. Um, they are bright. They're well. They have no. They've kind of dropped 
like the ego attachments from this lifetime. They've uh, healed any, what do I want to say? Any areas where they feel like not at peace, they've healed that up and reconnected to the well ancestors in that lineage. So that the part of the lineage where the ancestors were in deep relationship with the earth, where they are wise, they're well, they're fully in their guidance, they're able to see a wider perspective versus a lowercase a ancestor, maybe someone who transitioned to the other side, but they haven't um, evolved on a soul level to be a capital A ancestor yet. There's still some healing to do. There might be still some attachments uh, to this lifetime, some unresolved issues. And oftentimes the way that that gets resolved is by them connecting to those capital A ancestors. So I really like his distinction in that way because that resonates true for me in my own ancestor work on my own process, but also with clients as well. So that's what we could say a little bit about who an ancestor is. And then within that, I received this question, which is really a series of questions, but I kind of like bucketed them together because I really see them as building on each other. And the question was, what if one of our ancestors was a really horrible person in this lifetime? You know, what happens if that's the case? And do they stay horrible after they pass? Does their soul retain the horrible acts that they did as a person? These were like the series of questions that I think are really embedded in one question. Before I share my own thoughts on this, I first want to invite you to check in with yourself and get curious about, well, what are your beliefs about a person who maybe was just just really not a good person in this lifetime? Maybe they did some not so great things. Maybe it was like a mixed bag. Maybe they were horrendous. Maybe they were a dangerous person. What is your personal belief about, you know, what happens to their soul after they transition? Are they still in that state? Do they suddenly get healed? Do they stay horrible, (laughs) you know, on the other side? And what's the relationship between their state and their path or potential path? Or is there even a path to becoming a capital A ancestor? So I have a couple of thoughts on this. And I want to caveat this, which is something that I like to try to do in my work in general and say, this is the truth of where I am with this topic right now that can evolve and change. I also want to say, even if you like we zoomed forward at the end of my life and I had many more decades under my belt of doing this work personally and professionally, that there's still going to be a limitation to what I understand because I don't believe anyone I don't care what anyone says. (laughs) I don't believe anyone has the full picture. I think that life and the unseen, the spirit world, ancestors, the whole gamut, the universe, the multiverse is so much bigger and complicated than our minds and our psychic abilities will ever understand. So I just want to kind of say that first. (laughs) 
anytime I share something, it's like, well, this is the truth of what I understand now. I never see it as complete truth. I never see it as um, doctrine truth. I see it as this is what my lived and professional experience has taught me. And uh, this is kind of like the slice of the glass of life and reality that I'm seeing, recognizing that there's way more there, way more there. Like we could get like a hundred you know, intuitives like me, and we could all try to weave it together. I still don't think we would have like the full slice of what's happening, if that makes sense. So I just kind of want to name that. I think that's important. I think it keeps us humble. It keeps us curious. It keeps us inquisitive and it keeps us open to new information. So with that being said, what if an ancestor is really whole or a person in this lifetime? Well, I want to talk about this on a spectrum because there can be people who are not settled when they transition and then people who are just downright horrible from this lifetime. Nobody's perfect. Nobody who transitions, even if they're like, quote unquote, and say a saint, like they still had their stuff. I'm very convinced of this. <laughs> very convinced of this. There's just been too many times where, uh, someone that was upheld on a certain pedestal and they transitioned, like they had their faults because they're human. They're imperfect. So, okay. I want to share two personal stories from my own family that have really informed this for me, like my perspectives on this topic. So the first is that my paternal grandmother, I believe was a pretty awesome person and she had her faults. Okay, at the end of her life, she was pretty anxious. And I was aware that at least there were some unresolved issues, some that we had talked about and some that I just kind of intuitively sensed. And at the end of her time, she was really anxious about transitioning. She was going through periods of anxiety, going through periods of fear around this transition period. Uh, She was having visions, but I think was not quite fully aware of what was happening, where she would see my grandfather who had already transitioned. She would see, she saw her mother. Um, So that's kind of, that's quite common for people when they are transitioning, they will start, the veil will start to like kind of get thinner and ancestors on the other side will start to kind of show themselves. And that's really to kind of slowly bridge in my perspective, what I understand, it's like, it's bridging this space for the soul to transition from the body fully to the other side. And it's kind of like we, we tiptoe the soul, like tiptoes two toes in and the back out. Or another way to think of it is like two toes, two toes go in, but the other eight are still in this reality. And then a third toe goes in and then the other seven are still in this reality, etc. So that was happening. I was receiving a lot of messages about her transition and that she was kind of struggling to let go. And she was waiting for me to give her some messages from my grandfather, from her previous husband when he was you know, alive and they were together, uh, that would support her to let go and transition. So I finally went through this process of sharing some of those messages with her, one of which included, it's okay to, to go. Like, it's okay to let go. And I think she was able to sense, especially when the veils are thin, whether people are literally transitioning because it's the end of their life or the veils are thin because their health is weak. We perceive things 
very clearly that others around us may not, that are more fully in this life. And I believe that she sensed that people were struggling in our family about the fact that it was her time to go. This is very common um, that elders and families, like maybe they're ready to go, but the people around them are still hanging on really, really like for, for like dear life. And it delays their ability to transition or creates a sense of internal conflict because in essence, we're really intuitive beings. And then when the veil starts to thin, that intuitive ability kind of heightens. We start to feel and sense and know more. So she eventually, like I delivered this message, told her to let go. She transitioned. I received message, like signal on the other side that she had transitioned. Um, And then after that happened, it was kind of like radio silence. And radio silence happened for about a little less than a year where my grandmother, my paternal grandmother and my paternal grandfather, like just kind of peaced out. It's like they checked in when she got to the other side, like she made it, she's here, you're good. And then they disappeared. And I, I wasn't expecting that because communication with my grandfather after he transitioned was more or less pretty seamless And my sense of that is that he was really, really, I believe, at peace with his life by the time he transitioned or pretty at peace with his life. So his process of kind of healing any leftover remnants, I think, was pretty quick. And the sense that I got after they came back one day while I was in meditation and they appeared to me and I was like, oh, where have you guys been? I thought I was like really excited to to have like a lot of communication with you all and you just kind of pieced out on me. The sense that I received was that she had gone through some kind of process on the other side to heal, to to release attachments, to to get her to a place of moving from an A lowercase ancestor to a capital A ancestor, okay? That's the story of my my paternal grandmother. Now, my maternal grandfather, who I never had the chance to meet, was a really complicated person and a very complicated past and hurt a lot of people. He came from a long lineage of very, very complex uh, trauma, ancestral trauma, that I and some others in our family are still trying to unravel and put the pieces together. That side and the stories of that side are really complicated. There's a lot of secrets. There's a lot of hidden information. There's a lot of questions of like, in my mind, of where where exactly does the lineage go back, both based on questions of record, DNA um, evidence that we have, and also different guides that have shown up to me over the years. So it's a really complicated history. He was an alcoholic, he was abusive, he struggled, and he put his family through a lot of struggles. So as you can imagine, when he passed, there was a lot of baggage there. And that's the baggage I know about is only, I think, a slice of what really was there, both to what he, like to, to, to acts of harm he committed, as well as acts of harm that were done to him that continue to spark this cycle of violence and abuse and uh, substance abuse. 
So all that to say that there was um, my understanding uh, from some stories is that when he transitioned and showed up to people at the beginning, that he was scary <laughs> and, and not a, not a, you know, like a ghostly presence, not someone you'd want to, not a presence you'd want to hang out with. But then as time went on, the encounters that uh, people have told me of him changed. Uh, one of them changed in a, a situation with my mom where I led her through this whole healing process after he continued to kind of show up to her and she was, she didn't know it was him. So there was just like a presence that kept showing up to her and it was kind of making her freaked out. Like who, who keeps showing up like at night? So I walked her through this whole process and, uh, and my sense is that he had shown, he showed up because there were some, uh, parts of reconciliation that he was trying to foster so that he really could, you know, graduate from lowercase a ancestor to capital A ancestor. And on all accounts, my sense is that that process, some of the ancestral healing that I've been doing in my lineages and just time has led to some more healing in his spirit and moved him closer to being a capital A ancestor. But my sense is that there was some goodness in him. You know, there were some kernels of goodness and that served as an anchor so that he could heal. But then there are some people where there's just, um, what do I want to say? There's like a shell of a person and the whole person's not there. Like the soul is not there. The essence of the spirit, the goodness is not there. And in those cases of people who are really, 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 really harmful in their life, like you, there's just no recognition of like positive things that happened. My sense is that there's a combination of a very long lineage of unhealed, unwell ancestors that are then almost like feeding on the ancestor and living through them and being like this kind of master ghostly presence in a sense that all the things that are, they're unattached, all the um, addictions, uh, all those pieces then kind of embody themselves through this person. And my other sense is that if a spirit, a soul, an essence of a soul is quite weak, maybe potentially young in their process. Um, I'm not entirely clear of the full uh, picture of it, but that they, the lineage and the person can become susceptible to bigger forces that are just gnarly and not great. Um, and that then, like that, that person kind of becomes like the platform for all this not so well energy to act through them in life, if that makes sense. I do, it's all to say that I don't really see us as these like really simple individuals, like from a Western psychology perspective, I don't really see us as these isolated individuals. It's just not how I see things. I see us as located part of like these really wider webs of our ancestors and our guides and the forces that are kind of operating in, 
in, in where we live <clears throat> and it's much more complicated and there is individual consciousness, like it does exist, but it's not in isolation of everything else. So that being said, do people who have done not great things retain that information in their soul when they transition? I think yes. And especially if they're really not at peace, which I can't imagine they would be if they have actually caused that much harm. Because as we know, people who cause harm have been harmed. Like people who are hurt, hurt others, right? It's usually the case. So there's usually, that person is usually not at peace with themselves. They might have a lot of self-hatred. They might have a lot of resentment. There can be a lot of pieces. And my sense is that carries with them. It especially carries with them if there's no one there to really help them transition. I think we've lost a lot of important rites of passage. And so, you know, what I tried to do and what I did in partnership with my grandfather, with my grandmother to help her transition, that process typically would happen for each family member, whether it is someone in the family who had these gifts or someone in like the, the, the smaller unit, the village that had these gifts, there would be people who would help with the transitioning, would help getting the, the people who are transitioning, connect them to the ancestors, connect them to their guides so that they're not kind of wandering around and uh, bothering people who are living, trying to get answers or trying to still just, you know, have the same conflicts that they've always had. Sometimes we'll see this really clearly happen in people's dreams where a loved one who transitioned and was maybe a really angry person continues to show up in their dreams as angry. And, you know, from a psychological perspective, a lot of people would see that as, well, you, you, the dreamer, have unresolved feelings towards this person. And that might be true, but it may also truly be the case that this person's spirit is still just really not at peace and they're kind of lost. They don't know where to go. And you're, you're, they're either trying to find someone to help them in that process, or they're just so kind of lost still in the spell of what bothered them in human form that they haven't really let that go and dropped that to really fully step into their spirit form. So that's like my perspective so far on, you know, what if your ancestor was a really horrible person this lifetime? I want to continue building on this in a minute, um, you know, which connects to this next question. I want to start with this next question and then we'll go to a break and continue more with questions. But the question there is, you know, is it safe to do ancestors work if you had living ancestors that were horrible people or unwell people? And I would say yes and no. (laughs) Yes, if you do the process in a methodical, mindful way, which I find usually you need support with. It's certainly, I needed support with some of the ancestor work that I did when I was kind of working with some gnarly parts of my lineages. So it's always helpful to have a a trusted guide with you, a trusted person in this lifetime who's 
skilled in that area to guide you so that you have an extension of your nervous system and someone to be able to ground and bounce off your ideas and your experience with. But at the same time, if you know that that exists in your lineage, you definitely want to make sure that when you do ancestors work, you proceed with caution and you don't go forth naively and just call in all the ancestors. Hey there, Marcy here. Speaking of the power of healing, I believe at the center of all healing is a reconnection to our intuition, the seat of our inner truth and authenticity. Now, the question is, how do we do that? I would say that we learn how to hear and trust our inner voice. That's really what it comes down to. And I would love to invite you to watch my free masterclass, Hear Your Inner Voice, where I explore this topic and I explore the three main obstacles to hearing our intuition and how to address them. You will walk away with practical exercises and tips that you can start implementing right away. And those three obstacles that I notice the most are self-doubt, knowing the difference between fear and intuition, and discerning our own heart's guidance. You can watch this free masterclass now at marcymoberg.com forward slash masterclass. That's marcymoberg.com forward slash masterclass. I can't wait to share with you more. Definitely don't tune into your ancestors calling all of them in without any discernment. Because even if you're very convinced that your ancestors like super, super awesome people, and you're convinced that you've had no one bad in your lineage, which is, I think, impossible. (laughs) There's still a lot that's veiled from us. There's still a lot that's veiled from us. So we want to proceed with mindfulness, with discernment, potentially with some support. That's, you know, the kind of work that I include when I do one-on-one work with people. But there's also this, so there's this question of, if your living ancestors were not well, can you do ancestors work? But the other layered question is, what about if you would never want to have a relationship with your ancestors again, because you had really, really horrible experiences with your blood relatives and ancestors in this lifetime? Hey, I hear you. I get it. And then the, you know, the question becomes, well, why would I even want to do ancestor work anyways? So here's what I want to say. That's understandable. And that each person is in their own process of where they are with their healing, their trauma, and their ancestors. I definitely don't think anyone should force themselves to do ancestor work if they're feeling really, really like, no way, I don't want anything to do with my blood relatives ever, 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 period maybe there's a shift at some point after doing some personal healing and trauma healing where there's a little bit more of an opening of a possibility that there could be some goodness at some point in those lineages, even if it's thousands and thousands of years back. But when we get to that point where we're willing to be kind of a little bit open to the idea that there could be some goodness somewhere 
and we proceed forward with, with mindfully with ancestor work, I think it can actually be really transformatively healing. So in my own journey, a lot of the people who were involved in the pain that happened in my life, in my trauma and in my abuse were bloodline relatives. And there's a lot of reasons also knowing some of the family histories that I may not want to connect with those ancestral lineages, like maybe not even at all. But there was at a certain point in my healing process that I recognized how these traumas, not only did the hurt people, the people who were hurt, hurt me, but I also noticed how these patterns, like we never can really like what do I want to say? We never can really like escape our lineages. They imprint us, right? And so they imprinted me. Some of those those aspects imprinted me negatively, but they also imprinted me positively. There's some resilience in me that comes from my ancestors. There's some strength that comes from my ancestors. And in many ways, I am the embodiment of their dreams who, you know, of those who wanted the, the lineage to continue and tried to bright, bring a brighter future. And when I had like a little bit of opening in my process to be curious about uh, my ancestors, I found it so deeply healing to connect with well ancestors who could hold me in so much love, who could feel safe. Like that was fundamental. Like ancestors that could feel really safe ancestors that could create a container of understanding, ancestors who embraced me, accepted me for who I am, ancestors who cheered me on. Like if you have wounds, uh, core wounds that, that are rooted from bloodline relatives, that is so fundamentally healing. And not only in my own journey, but I've seen this happen so many times in client journeys we're connecting, like realizing that there could even be a well of goodness in their lineages is so life-changing, both for how they relate to whether support is possible for them. Like the, the, the living relatives that exist now may like, forget it. They may not be, you know, um, available for love and support and all those pieces, but those who have transitioned, those who have, you know, kind of ascended and grown into capital A ancestors, those who have healed, those who are far enough back in the lineages where the lineage was well, being held by those energies is so life-changing. And I have seen clients go through really big reconciliation processes, processes where a you know caretaker, a father, a mother, a grandmother, grandfather, an aunt, an uncle, a sibling who's no longer with them, who was a really harmful person this lifetime, eventually comes through, through the ancestor work and is seeking forgiveness, is acknowledging what they did. And there's a sense of like a really beautiful reconciliation that comes. It doesn't mean that the imprint of that trauma leaves, but it does mean that there's some form of responsibility that happens that didn't happen in this lifetime. So I'm only like kind of barely scratching the surface here, but that's why I think 
ancestor work and ancestral healing can be so powerful for those of us that have that come from these long legacies of unwellness. So certainly it's not, you know, it's not about going all the way to the love and light, you know, camp of everything's great. Everything's great in its essence. So just kind of open yourself up and tune into all the things. Like, please, no, no, please don't open a ritual with yourself and call in all the ancestors. No, no, no. Please have some discernment. But at the same time, if you get to a place where there's some softening, you feel like you've done some, you feel like you've had a strong foundation of healing inside of yourself, maybe open up to the possibility of doing ancestor work and maybe open up to the possibility that that could really transform your relationship with your bloodlines. It doesn't erase the bad. It doesn't undo the bad. It doesn't erase the imprints. Like I believe trauma is something that stays with us for our lifetime. And so it doesn't, it doesn't undo that, but it does, it can seed goodness. It can bless us with blessings. It can relieve burdens. It can release some levels of pain. Okay, off my soapbox now. (laughs) I want to shift gears and talk about this next question, which I think is important. And that is what kind of support can you ask your ancestors for? Which is a wonderful question. And I would say it's kind of limitless, maybe. I don't recommend you go to your ancestors. Okay, hmm, let me say this. I'm not a um, love and light manifester camp person. So I'm not the kind of person that's like, you know, sit down, visualize the new car you want, keep visualizing it, ask your ancestors for that new car. I mean, you could do that. It's not my MO. That's not like, and also my experiences is that life's a lot more complicated that than that. There's like a lot of quantum <laughs> equations, I think, happening behind the scenes, some of which I'm not entirely convinced that we have control over. So there's just like a lot of factors. So I think sometimes when people approach manifestation in that way and, and support in that way, they end up disappointed and you can be be made to feel or convince yourself and feel like you're doing something wrong. And I kind of want to just say, I don't think you're doing anything wrong. I just think life is more complicated than that. It's just my experience. I also don't want to say then on the flip side that you just kind of give up and you have no free will. You have no choice. You have no ability to influence things. No. Um, you can influence things with support from your ancestors. And here's my caveat. I believe our well ancestors are here to support us along with our guides. And sometimes there's overlap. Sometimes there are well ancestors who are guides and sometimes there are guides that are not connected to our blood lineages. They're here to support our soul, to support our soul's growth, to support our soul's purpose, to support our soul's, you know, fulfilling our destiny, potentially fulfilling our full potential, to guiding us through uh, lessons, through healing. And the more I have leaned on my ancestors, the more I've had challenges at times where I've been like, whoa, y'all, I mean, (laughs) this is a lot to be with, (laughs) but also blessings. 
And I, I believe in my senses when I communicate with my own ancestors is that that's, again, it's because they're here supporting me to grow. They're here supporting me to be in alignment with my destiny. And part of my destiny is, is a certain level of expansion. A certain level of expansion comes through these difficult, sometimes these difficult moments. It doesn't always have to be difficult. I'm just, again, trying to paint a more complex picture than the simple, like, everything's great all the time. That's just not reality. <laughs> it's not reality. Not my reality. Okay, so the kind of support that you can ask your ancestors for is, I would say, when you're feeling, let's say you're, you're, you're going through a difficult time and you're feeling a lot emotionally. I was talking about this with someone the other day. Let's say you're feeling a lot of deep sadness. Draw from your human network of support. So, you know, call, contact the best friend and say, like, I really, I need support right now. I'm going through a really tough time. Schedule a chat with them or tea or whatever, you know, be mindful of COVID uh, now, please still. <laughs> um, you know, but you can call on that support, well of support. And at the same time, you can call on your ancestors you can ask your ancestors and, and tune into them and say, I'm having a really hard time. Can I just feel you close to me? Can you help me transform this sadness? Um, can you support me to feel more held? Can you support me to feel more safe? So I find those emotional elements can be really great. I also find that ancestors can be really wonderful at showing us next steps. You know, so saying like, gosh, I'm really, lo- I'm at a loss for what to do next, please, you know, show me some signs of uh, what is the next step on my path. And sometimes we're concealed, by the way, from our path because we're not meant to know the whole thing. And maybe the whole thing's not fully written yet. Uh, There's a lot of possibilities of what could happen. But our ancestors can help us with those next steps. It can help us feel supported and held. I remember one time I was, uh, I'll never forget this. I was driving in the car. I was having a really, really, really hard day, a really hard week. And I remember telling my ancestors, like, I just need a win because I am having a hard time right now. And I have been through a lot (laughs) and I just need a win. I just need to know you're with me. I just need to know that you're there. I just need to feel your love. I just need to know I'm not alone. Like, just show me something. Okay. So I was driving, running errands. I, 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 in this moment of me, like saying this out loud while I'm driving my car, I end up going to a bakery. I feel inspired to go to my favorite bakery and I walk in and I find this older gentleman standing at the counter and everybody seems to know him like he's a regular, but I've never seen him before. And I had gone to the bakery a million times. And the second he sees me walk in the door and I come up to towards the counter, he says, you look like you need some cookies. I'd love to buy you some cookies today. <laughs> what? <laughs> and here's this beautiful gentleman. And he was like, you should try those. Those are really good. And have you ever tried those? And this guy like got me this, this bag of sweets just on him. And he was like, I hope you have a wonderful day. And just, I mean, just as the sweetest moment for me, he was my ancestors like working in this plane. That immediacy was so immediate. It's like, I just knew in that moment, wow, okay, I got it. You're here with me. And then I got to the car 
And then I got a message from one of my dear friends. Hey, I'm thinking of you. I know you've been going through a hard time. I just want you to know I love you. Next thing I know, I get a voicemail from someone. And it's just like, you know, magic that happens behind the scenes. So that's my examples of the kind of support. It's really like wherever your mind is, limitations are, like go past that. Your, your ancestors want to support you. They want to see you succeed. You are their greatest dreams. You're here. You're alive. Also, they're amazing at helping us through um, challenges that they went through in their lives. They survived a lot. You know, I live in a modern lifetime where you know, I'm right now recording in my house. I have a beautiful shelter. I have air conditioning. I have electricity. I have ancestors didn't have those things and they faced famine and they faced, you know, a lot of difficulties. And there's some amazing strength that I can draw from there. There's some amazing lessons that I can learn from there. So I say kind of like the sky's the limit, but especially I find them really powerful and supportive and like how good family can be healthy family can be this amazing net that we can lean on and feel held in and feel met with and feel unconditional love. And I have found that my ancestors can show up for me in that way. And it's so powerful and so transformative. All right. This is our final question that I'm going to talk about today that I received, which was in essence, the question was, how do I find books and resources related to my ancestors' practices and history? Um, in a previous episode, I spoke about how our most powerful rituals, the, the, the one that was about crafting rituals with our ancestors, the most powerful rituals are drawn from our ancestors' practices. And so I'll share a couple of my personal favorite uh, books that are related to my and some some of my ancestors' lineages. There's still more, but I'm still like you know, I'm still in the process of exploring. But this is like a little slice of some of the core uh, lineages, particularly on my dad's side. And I'll also share a little bit about um, kind of how I came to find them and how I suggest folks find resources like this. So, if you tend to have relatives that are um, connected to uh, Western Europe, they are connected to, well, there's also some, I think, Eastern Europe in that book too. They're connected to Western or Eastern Europe. Then you might check out Witches and Pagans by Max Dashu, D-A-S-H-U. Uh, that book is really amazing. It's like this giant compilation of history. It can be kind of dense. So it's a book that I still haven't finished. It's one that I'm kind of going into reading some, reflecting, going into reading some, reflecting. But it's, a, it's I love it because it's a compilation of history. And Max Dashu is this amazing uh, historian who focuses on reviving particularly women's lost histories. And, uh, and Witches and Pagans is just an amazing resource in that way. If you tend to have any Celtic ancestry in your lineages, there's uh, two resources that you can start with. There's other books. Uh, there's other books I've read. I was trying to find them. I still have boxes. <laughs> you know how moving goes? I moved like two months ago and I still have boxes I haven't unpacked. So I know I have more books related to this, but these are the first two books that I found and that came to me. So that's why I'm sharing them with you because clearly I was like, ancestors, which books should I share? And the four that I'm going to talk about are the four that they uh, helped me find. So 
there's, it's, it's not the end point. It's like a starting point. Uh, so one is Fire in the Head by Tom Cohen, C-O-W-A-N. And that's an, um, it's a really beautiful book about the Celtic roots, um, like Celtic perspectives on shamanism. So really like looking at shamanistic or you could say animist roots of practice and Celtic tradition. Beautiful, beautiful book. That for me helped me understand so like why on earth I got connected to kind of shamanism you know many many years ago and why I got pulled towards animism it helped me understand the roots to my Irish ancestors and bring some of that myth and practice uh, from a kind of a more Irish Celtic lens which is really beautiful and then another one is The Illustrated Herbiary by Maya Toll, which is just a beautiful book and a c- accompanying card deck. It's all about herbs. But Maya Toll uh, created this book as inspired by the studies that she had with her teacher, who was a traditional Irish folk um, herbalist in that she studied with in Ireland. And so it's beautiful because it has some um, Celtic folklore, some Celtic aspects of uh, meaning of herbs embedded in it. And it, and it's just like a feast for the eyes. It's a beautiful book. Uh, it's a beautiful card deck. I really, I love it. And then the last one is if you have some Scandinavian roots, then you might check out The Norse, N-O-R-S-E, Shaman, by Evelyn Rizdick. And... That book is a really beautiful book that's both has some historic history in it, archaeology, and also some practices in it. See, a lot of these, as I've been discovering, a lot of these practices from my ancestors like kind of died off. It's not like there's like an unbroken chain of these practices. For example, the staff, working with the staff in the Norse tradition and how women had staffs. That's not something that's a practice that like <clears throat> continued to happen over and over and over again through lineage time and, and, and deep understanding of how women used the staff as a connection between them, the, this world, the other world, and a kind of like a reflection of the world tree. We, we, we understand that through a compilation of like texts and history and archaeology, but there's not like this unbroken chain of women continuing that practice. So it, it, it makes it interesting because I think that for some of us where that lineage has been broken, it's about learning these aspects of the history and then seeing how are our ancestors inspiring us to work with those traditions, stories, myths, folk now. And the way that I found these resources is, gosh, it's just been like many, many years of this unfolding process. But, you know, I find that when I have found that when a lineage wants to start working with me, they start to bring me resources. So that's kind of slowly starting to happen with my mom's lineage right now, uh, her father's side, which is a complicated one that we're really trying hard to do ancestral research on. And so I'm finding that there are some resources like little sprinkles that have been coming up um, over the last maybe two years of nudges in that direction. And 
<laughs> I feel like I'm finally at a place where I've told them like, okay, I'm willing to kind of start working intentionally with you in the coming months. But they often happen just through, um, you know, in my case, it's been when my ancestors are ready for me to, to kind of start to work with that lineage, they will start to reveal those resources. But it all started by just kind of first answering the call of doing some ancestor work in the first place, and then learning where those lineages came from. And then from there, one thing led to the other. But also, like, Google is your best friend. <laughs> Google is your best friend. Um, even if you don't want to buy and purchase books from Amazon, Amazon is a great kind of like book search engine and you can just start to research uh, in bringing different words um, to form. So I remember like just going in and researching like Celtic spirituality, Celtic um, <clears throat> animus, Celtic like ritual. Cel like I just, you know, I was just kind of bringing as many words as possible to different search engines and then seeing where they come up and Again, Amazon is a great resource for that search purpose when you're looking for books as a resource because then maybe you find one book and then if you look at the bottom, of course, they always have those suggested other resources and you can do that. Or I found, you know, like a great book and then looking at the back and the bibliography, that's how I've gotten a lot of books over the last couple of years is just kind of, I'd got, I was guided through a series of synchronicities, like this book kept showing up or it was recommended in a class or somebody half mentioned it on a podcast or, or it's like literally hunting me. Like it's kind of constantly showing up in recommendations on my Amazon list, <laughs> like whatever it is, um, I'll find a book and then I'll as I'm reading it, when I get done, I'll look in the bibliography or even along the way, if there's something that catches my eye, I'll go in the bibliography or the notes section and I will circle different resources. And then those will be the next articles I read or books or people I look up, etc. So I have found that it's a little bit more of an investigative process for many of us than a pretty easy and straightforward thing. <laughs> um, and that's okay. I think that makes it fun that the investigative process makes it fun. I also did a lot of, I also recommend a lot of research through just like YouTube, looking at um, uh, videos, sometimes there's documentaries. So for example, the Sami are the traditional peoples of Scandinavia. And I was trying to find, you know, different resources about them. And it's quite challenging to find resources. I have some books that I have found, but not many. And I remember um, just through a lot of searching on YouTube, I ended up finding some documentaries about the Sami. And it was really beautiful because I then got to watch those documentaries, learn a little bit more about their lifestyle, and I was able to make certain connections. And one of the most important connections that I really like lit me up, I remember is that I've had these synchronicities over the years with the plant yarrow before I even studied herbalism. I won't go into them all now, but in essence, when I watched the documentary, one of the documentaries I saw about the Sami, there was a uh, beautiful dwelling that they were showing of like the kind of forest dwelling Sami. And there were these traditional dwellings that were made out of earth and, um, <laughs> and the earth, so they used bark that they had peeled back at, along with like earth to make these um, really beautiful houses, these like uh, dwellings that they could live in. 
And what I found so interesting is that at the beginning of this documentary, when they were talking about these dwellings and this Sami woman was explaining how they built and developed these dwellings at the, the front of the house where this little door was, at the front of this dwelling where this little door was, sure enough, what did I see growing literally on the structure of the dwelling, but the plant yarrow. And for me in that moment, like it, it connected so many dots to, oh, I get it now. This is who's been calling me to the plants. This, this is who's been calling me to the plants. These ancestors are the ones that have been calling me to the plants. So really looking for documentaries, uh, researching websites, books on Amazon. Now, how do you know which uh, resources are reputable or not? Again, I just find that you have to do a lot of research. Notice, um, you know, notice if there's any uh, experts that you respect that have um, given accolades to a book or, um, you know, checking if the book has like a pretty thorough bibliography. Maybe they've clearly they've done their research versus just having it be conjecture or ideas. Um, Those are my suggestions on how to start. And really my discovery is like once you find the first book, it just kind of or you first find the first site, or you find the first article, or you find the first documentary, the ancestors are like, oh, yay, they're paying attention. Let's, let's show them more. Let's reveal more of our story, more of our history. It really lights them up. And again, this is another thing that you can ask your ancestors for support. Did you love this episode as much as I did creating it? If so, I would be so grateful for you to share this episode with one friend. One of the easiest ways to share podcast episodes is to use the share button on platforms like Spotify, Stitcher, or Apple Podcasts. These apps make it really easy to share. Whether you are simply sharing through a direct message or copying and pasting the link It's a great way to share your favorite episodes, and I know it's my favorite way to share podcast episodes with the people I love. And if you do this, this will ensure that more people will benefit from the podcast, and you're spreading inspiration, basically. So thank you in advance for spreading the inspiration. And if you feel really inspired, let's say you've listened to this podcast episode and you're feeling super lit up, you're feeling excited about it. Then as a bonus, share a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Apple Podcasts seems to be the easiest platform to write reviews, and it's where I share my shining words for all of my favorite podcasts. So you can simply search for the show, tune in with Marcy, and scroll to the bottom, and you will see on the screen, write a review under the current reviews. Speaking of reviews, I want to share the latest review that I actually somehow missed that came through. So this review is from Daniel Small. Thank you in advance, Daniel, for your words of love and encouragement. Daniel says, this podcast feels like a warm blanket for my soul. I just found your podcast through your interview on Skyhouse Herbal School on YouTube. I'm signing up with Ashley's Herbal Apprenticeship this spring and currently taking her husband's astrology course from Nighttime Astrology. This COVID really has me diving in. That's great. Uh, Both wonderful people. I'm very interested in what you have to offer to help me 
tap into my intuition, that muscle has been very weak lately, in order to help me weave the subjects together and also become clearer and more confident in my practices. I just listened to about five episodes in the last 24 hours, <laughs> and I downloaded some of them some of them on my walk for this evening. Awesome. I'm so glad that you did that. I hear that a lot from people who are new listeners, that they listen to an episode and then they just binge a whole bunch. I love that. Um, That's also what I have done with some of my favorite podcasts. Uh, They end with, P.S. I'm interested in going to your group course workshop you mentioned, but I can't click on anything on your website. Okay. So just as a side note, sometimes I get messages about this, like, how do I go to your thing? What do I do? Go to marcymoberg.com, M-A-R-C-I, M-O-B is a boy, E-R-G is in George.com. And make sure you're on my email list. If you're on my email list, you will know about all the things <laughs> because that's really my inner circle. So you want to make sure that you join my email list. That's the easiest way to know. When am I teaching a workshop? When am I leading a course again? When do I have special offers? When am I opening up for one-on-one clients, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're not already on my email list, Danielle, make sure that you head on over to my website, marcymoberg.com, and uh, join my email there. I have a special offer now where if you join my email, you get access to a free masterclass all about intuition. Um, And I know that you're going to love that. So that's the best way to know what's happening and how to sign up. So thank you again, Daniel, for your wonderful review. Thank you again, listener, you listening right now. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of this episode and to listening to these listener questions. I hope that the questions were answering some of your own that you've already had in your mind. If you have other questions for me that you'd love for me to answer on the podcast or a topic, you're like, please, Marcy, please do a podcast on this topic, then write to me. I take suggestions all the time, and that's how some of my favorite episodes have come about. You can do that by just going to my website, Marcy Moberg forward slash podcast. You go to the bottom of the screen, and you'll see uh, an opportunity there to be able to submit a question or a topic. All right, that's it for this week. That's us closing out this series of episodes on ancestors. We'll come back to ancestors again in the future, but we're just going to close this current chapter for now. And in the meantime, I will leave you with my personal mantra, being you takes courage. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review. Ideally, five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com. Until next time, remember, being you takes courage. Lots of love. Thank you.